The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to episode 48 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania, and to relentlessly, vigorously, and methodically pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem, hopefully without ruining your life. More on that later. We have an incestuous episode planned for today, and like all episodes of the Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts. You, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we utilize an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can always drop us a line at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Today for the you part, we have our latest regular feature, unscripted cohorts, always good, plus a question about a better life. We'll see how good that is. After the you part comes part two, the them part where each episode we host a guest to help us showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Our guest today is all cultural with a chance to drift into some political. He's, of all people, somebody we know, Brett Kronberger, the radio producer for the Pennsylvania Project here at WWDB, the man behind the glass window. After the them part comes part three of the Pennsylvania Project, the me part, where it'll be my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw. Today, it's the Patriot Movement, if you know what that is. And throughout the show, as is our long-established custom, we feature a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to Service narrator to read our live commercials. Today, we have Susan Hawkins from the SEPTA Toastmasters Club, and this is her second appearance as a narrator. Welcome back to the Pennsylvania Project, Sue. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here, too. What made you decide to come back? Uh, I got a late afternoon call. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Our, the narrator was supposed to have. She had to cancel at the last second. Yeah, but why would you accept? Why would you even consider coming back on this show? Well, it's just a lot of fun to participate with this gang. Uh-huh. I agree. That's one of the reasons why I keep doing it. I keep getting surprised when I look at the numbers. You know, episode 48. <laughs> We've been doing this a while now. But we have a second Toastmaster with us, according to another one of our ancient customs to help read and respond to whatever comes to our mailbag and join in discussions with our guest. It's a role we call cohort, and today's cohort has been here many times before. She was cohort in episodes 35, 37, and 43, not to mention being our narrator way back in episode 33. Ah, Welcome back, Distinguished Toastmaster Kate Conti. Hey, glad to be here, Ken. Yeah, you're another one of those people who doesn't know any better. You keep showing back up here again. Crazy. I know, but it's good. Yeah, it is. It is good. It's fun. And you're thinking about cutting back a little? Yeah, I'm overextended, and I need to learn to say, not right now. See, I can't even say it. I can't even say no. (laughs) No, thank you. I like not right now better. You know, I always like to give the cohort space them out a couple weeks apart. So maybe what's you know, maybe in another two or three episodes or yeah, five I'm just, or seven. Or, I'm just really overextended and I have to. I'm walking around my house saying, "No, thank you. Thanks for thinking of me." <laughs> well, you're good. You're one of the one of the more energetic 
cohort. So it's energy is what I have. My middle name. Always good. <laughs> and things have changed since you've been gone. Apparently, in one month's time. Yeah. First of all, we have guests. You're infamous for having the guests cancel on us. You had a guest once. Once out of four. Yes, out so, of four. Well, if, if you were baseball, that'd be a good average. Two fifty. Yeah. Yeah, 250, mm-hmm. that's not bad. It was Toastmas- It was Table Topics time for yeah. three episodes. Uh-huh. And, you know, we we did the the contest speech. We, oh, you weren't here? For, yes, I you, did. You yes, here? I was. It was good. That uh-huh. was good. I agree. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the International Speech Contest now. I won my club. Congratulations. Thank you. And I, and I won the area. And oh, very cool. in two weeks, I'm going to be doing the division. That's terrific. I know. It's surprising. Our division? Thank you. 38? It's District 38. Yeah. Uh, division, uh, excuse me. Division? Division C. C. Okay. I'm in yes. H. Aaron Beverly is no longer there. He was he won the World Championship yeah, of Public last Speaking year. last year. I call him the wall because I yeah, just can't get past him. Yeah. He's he tough. Beat he's me tough. Beat, but he's gone now, so maybe this time I'll win. <laughs> there you know. go. He's leaving some, letting some room for other people. I'm trying to get Aaron on the show, too, but his work schedule doesn't allow for it. World champion of You've public speaking. You've got to get him on the show. No chance. 360,000 Toastmasters around the planet. He's number one, and he lives here in Philadelphia. And he lives here. Yeah. That's the thing. I get know. him on the show. I know. He's actually coming to our club this week. Is he? I'm jealous. Will you tell him? I'm, yeah, I'm thrilled. I, I hereby empower you as cohort from the Pennsylvania Project. I'll, I'll, I'll see. I'll, I'll see if I have any influence I'll, at all. I'll loan you my handcuffs, and I won't give you the key. <laughs> And that'll get you both that back here. That would be here. so much fun. What, the handcuffs? <laughs> no <laughs> comment. Change the subject. Yeah. As I was saying, since, since you've been gone, some things have changed because we have a new ancient custom here on the Pennsylvania Project. It's intriguing. Where we're asking the cohort to bring in a question that's unscripted. Ah. That's what I said up front. It's unscripted cohorts. Yeah, and I made the mistake to almost tip my hat. But I have a question. You have the question? Well, we can start with that. Okay. Not, I, by the way, I, I do not know what this question is. He really does not know because I mentioned a question. He said, no, I'm not supposed to know. So I came up with a brand new question, and here it is. Since Philadelphia has the third highest number of deaths from overdose, do you think we should have safe injection sites? Well, the short answer is the whole war on drugs is insane, the way that they've got it all set up. There are... There is a way that we can reduce opioid deaths by 85%, reduce opioid use by 95%. Would, would that interest you? Yes, and how would we do that? I'm well, dying to these, know. These aren't just some made-up Some other numbers. people are dying to know. Uh, literally, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Portugal has done this. They figured out a way to do it, and they did this starting in 2001, and they have, like I said, they've reduced opioid deaths by 85%. What they did is they eliminated their insane war on drugs. Instead of treating it as a criminal problem, they treated it as a social problem. They've done two different things which made all the difference. Number one was that they've set up free purity testing centers. I love that idea. So if somebody goes and cops some heroin, they can take it in and get it tested, and the guy can say, whoops, wait a minute, that's fentanyl, be careful. Or you say, wait a minute, that's coffee meat, go get your money back, Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. So right away, virtually all deaths from opioids are accidental. They and, don't f- and fentanyl is, is responsible for like, I think it was 80% or yeah, something. It's a, and it's know. mixed with the heroin and it's mixed with Correct. the cocaine. So these people don't mean to die. So that one thing, just that purity testing, is going to get rid of most of the deaths. I love and, that. And the second thing they do is they give everybody a free social worker. 
and say, you know, if you got a problem, I can advise you. Say, wait a minute, don't mix that with alcohol. I'll be careful with this. Watch out for the purity, the strength, and different things like that. And with it, that two-pronged attack, they have reduced opioid deaths by 85%. And that's since 2001. This is not a flash in the pan. Now, when you look at safe injection sites, uh, it's, it's so minor. So minor. It's this insane war on drugs that's causing the problem, not the lack of an injection site. It seems like the injection site doesn't really get to the root of the problem Correct. like your solution does. And nobody wants it in their in their neighborhood. So one of the solutions to that was to have a mobile injection site. And I'm trying to picture how big this truck would have to be. <laughs> you know, I just got back from Seattle to see our granddaughter. And uh, it's a free state there. Cannabis is legal. They've ended the insane war on Hallelujah. drugs. I know. It's about time. And the way they wrote the, the law, you're not allowed to smoke it outside. You can smoke it in your house. And oddly, you could smoke it in your car. So what they did, some entrepreneurial person went out and got an old SEPTA bus, painted it green, and they call it the Cannabus. And they and they just drive That's brilliant. And they just drive around town all day. That's brilliant. You get on, you get off, and you get off. <laughs> That's really brilliant. <laughs> I know. And they sell munchies. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a snack truck. <laughs> I know. It's a mobile snack truck. So I guess they could do the same sort of thing. What would you call it? It's gotta have a cute name. Okay. As a libertarian though, how would you pay for the free social worker? Because there is some money involved there. Yeah, well, one thing, in in the United States, I don't know the Pennsylvania number, but in the United States, they spend about $10,000 per per family for drug programs. In Portugal, it's $5 a person. So we can cut the cost of this insane war on drugs by ending it. So instead of spending $10,000, let's say it's a family of four. So you're talking about $2,500 per person. You can go from $2,500 to $5. Kate, here, you want five bucks? I'll give you five bucks, you know? There you go. That'll take care of ending this insane war on drugs. So basically you're saying that we have the money already allocated to drugs, but we're just misspending it. We're misspending it because the war on drugs is insane. I mean, why Why are we trying to enforce that? Yeah, well, yeah, if you're out there drunk and you crash into somebody, you should go to jail. There's no, I agree. There's no question about it. If you're out there smoking pot, and you're driving so slow that people are crashing into you because when you're stoned, you just everything goes slower. Yeah. Speaking from my own college days experience, it, it's your fault. But if I'm just kicking back at home, smoking a joint, watching The Simpsons, why am I? How is that bad? Yeah, and if we wanted to get into a conversation about that, I have strong feelings because I feel like That's alcohol Simpsons. is so much more dangerous than, for instance, yes! pot. You, I mean, now the harder drugs. They, everyone always says, "Well, it's a gateway drug." Well. I smoked pot, too, when I was young. Oh, my gosh. I hope my mom's not listening. You're still young now, aren't you? <laughs> but anyway, it never was a gateway to uh-huh. deep, you know, darker drugs. So alcohol is so much more dangerous. Yeah. I, you know, I know people, several people who have died from alcohol. I, I bet we all do. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who's died from smoking pot. Well, I love this idea of the free purity centers, and they could... That sounds like it would get more to the root of the problem. Yeah, because like I said, Scientific American did a study and they found virtually all opioid deaths are accidental. And they come from two reasons. One of them is mixing it with the wrong thing, some of them, but the overwhelming majority are adulterations. Mm. It's either too strong, it's coffee mate, whatever it is. I didn't know that. Yep. Of course they don't let you know that, you know? The, the, this insane war on drugs, it's a jobs program for narcotics officers. Mm. 
You know, it's, it's the same thing with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms at the national level. Whenever I hear that title, I thought, that's a party I want to get invited to. Yeah, where do you <laughs> sign up for that job? Yeah, <laughs> alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Although I haven't had a cigarette in years now. Oh, I still, well, good for you. I still miss it. Yeah. It was so, a social thing. There's a lot of nice things about it. If you don't have pot, and you don't have a baby, and you don't have cigarettes, and you don't have a dog, how do you meet people on the street? <laughs> uh, opioids. <laughs> no. There you go. It's a street drug, right? That's how you meet people on the street. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Or you have a drink at the bar, right? That is true. Or, so getting or, to the idea of the purity and these accidental deaths, I love that. I feel like that's... A good solution. I and, didn't know what you were going to say. I was really stumped. Uh-huh. No, it's it's time tested. Two thousand one was when they did this. Portugal did it. Just you know, search per- Portugal war on drugs or Portugal I'm going heroin to. or something like that. I'm super impressed that you were able to answer that question on hey, the spot like that. <laughs> I ran for governor of Pennsylvania. There's not a question I cannot answer on the spot. Mm, we got to test them again. Yeah, and you know, I'm looking at the clock. We're not going to have time for Bart Smith's question. Oh, well, that's all right. We're all set for next episode okay. then. But, you know, if you want to just throw something in there. Sue, you got something on top of your mind? Come on. Bring it on. Bring it on. And Pennsylvania, please, not national. I don't, I don't follow national stuff. I don't follow. No. She's at a loss for words. No, I, I'm not prepared to ask anything. No, okay. Yeah. You don't want to go to Bart's question? Well, Bart's question is, it's got, it's got a lot of answers. And we have about a minute before we go to the commercial break. We have time to ask Bart's question. Yeah, why don't we ask Bart's question? You can say a few things and then revisit it. So Bart Smith from Delaware County, Pennsylvania, has asked, are you better personally better off than you were three and a half years ago? Worse off or why? Well, you know, when I saw that, I thought this is too vague. You know, is this a political, cultural, or environmental question? Because that's what we do here at the Pennsylvania Project. Cultural, political, environmental. And... I was thinking since he he didn't qualify, why don't we, I was thinking we could just do all three. Oh, so you do need more time. Yeah, and I thought Kate, you and I could just bang this back and forth just like we were just doing with the with this insane oh, war on he's drugs. He's sucking me back in. I know you can't you can't go away. You're one of us now. I'm telling you, and, and we can even tear apart his question because when he says, "What do you think?" Does he mean me? Does he mean us, the Pennsylvania Project? Is that some royal generic we or something like that yeah i wondered that too yeah i could speak for myself just my own in my own little bubble yep so i was going to do me and i was figuring i was going to do you and we could do each one of the three individually and then do your radio show what better off than it was three years ago absolutely actually yeah that's that's one of my cultural items is that yes we are definitely culturally better off because there is now a libertarian radio that's right three years ago you didn't even have one there but all right so we, we'll but we do not keep that for next week we do not have the time for that so on that on that uh, delaying note that's going to have to do it for the you portion of episode 48 that was a great discussion of the insane war on drugs yeah thank you and I enjoyed I, it. you gave me something to, to research and i never say war on drugs without saying insane first because it is insane it is. so it's going to do it for the you portion of episode 48 we're going to pause for this information and when we return we're going to be visiting with today's guest the man behind the glass window radio producer of the pennsylvania project brett kronberger himself did you hear the latest news almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state 
more than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. Here's an interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Do those words sound like they're something taken from a Hollywood political thriller? Well, they're not. They're all direct quotes taken from the Article I of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everyone's heard of the United States Constitution, but have you ever heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? But most importantly, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, the answers are likely to be no, no, and no. Well, it's long past time we changed those answers to yes, yes, and yes. And you have a crucial part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we here at the Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions. So we've authored a petition demanding that the Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. If you believe it's important for our children to know how our state government works, heard, head over to our website, PennsylvaniaProject.com, and add your name to the growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send a copy of the petition to the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania, asking them right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. So please sign the petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Do it now while it's on the top of your mind. The alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, let alone read, the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why no one votes anymore. Hey, Ken Krawczak here again, and welcome to the Them portion of Episode 48 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we like to host a guest to help showcase political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Our guest today is heavy-duty cultural with a likely drift into the political. He's that man behind the glass window, Brett Kronberger, radio producer at WWDB Radio in Philadelphia, acting operations manager here, and radio producer for this show, The Pennsylvania Project. Welcome to The Pennsylvania Project, Brett. Thank you for letting me on. What does it mean when we say that you're the radio producer? What do you do? So I make sure you guys sound good on the air. Make sure like all the buttons are pressed the right way. Make sure that Ken sounds good. Make sure Ken's on the air. When at you, when, you, when are you gonna start making me sound good? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe episode forty-eight. <laughs> there you go. It's a good chance to start. Uh huh. 
But make sure you're on the air every Saturday at 10 a.m. on WWDB 860. Yes, the first libertarian talk show since Irv Homer was on WWDB. Oh, really? So that's news to me. Yeah. And I've been having your shows being replayed throughout the week. I had it played Thursday at 4 p.m. and then Wednesday at like 3 p.m. Wow. Yeah. Poor people have to listen to that. (laughs) They can always change the channel, but they don't. That's true. Nice. That's great. I really appreciate you guys doing that. Oh, yeah, sure thing. When we started off in the beginning, it was pretty funny. Uh, Sam, the guy who's the station manager here, yeah. he called me out of the blue and says, Ken, how'd you like your own talk radio show? And I said, what would I say? <laughs> <laughs> he said, anything you want. It's kind of like a blank check. So we had, to, we had to start somewhere. But you're right. We could not have done it without, without your help behind the glass there, man. Hey, I couldn't do it without you guys. Yeah, that's right. This is a symbiotic relationship of some sort. <laughs> yeah. Now, how did you get in there? What, what put you behind the glass to start with? So I actually started out my career in stand-up comedy. So I did stand-up comedy. and uh, <laughs> I was okay. invited as a guest at 1360 at the time. Sorry, I mean to throw that station out there. What's 1360? It's a uh, station that doesn't really exist anymore. Uh-oh. But when they called me in, they started know like, I was the youngest comedian in South Jersey. So they said, we want to have you on the air, you know, as a guest. So most listeners they had at the time was 80, and then I got them 338 or something. Wow. So then they said, oh, we like you. We want you to come back every week. So I became like a weekly guest. Uh-huh. And then the boss liked me so much, he's like, yeah, we'll hire you. So then I started working from there. Yeah, but how did, you, how did you step from sitting from behind the mic to sitting behind the board? I mean, it's not something – like, for example, I used to run the studio at St. Joseph's yeah. University back when I was in college. And I did a lot of the stuff that you got, you know, pushing the buttons. And yes. only back then it was reel-to-reel tape decks and stuff like that. Very, very different So eventually they got me to start pressing the buttons. Well, how did you learn that? I learned it from the owner's son. He just showed me it. But they had knobs. They didn't have pods uh-huh. like we have right here. Uh-huh. They straight up was like old school knobs. So you had to like lower and higher up the volume. Uh-huh. They had rubber band hanging off, you know, with the <laughs> microphone. I kid you not. Duct tape, everything. You name it. They have VU meters. Remember those those old meters? Uh, yeah, the ones that go like yeah, up and down. The yeah. bouncy ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had them. Yeah, that's what it was back in my day. Oh, really? Yeah. And, you know, I had to choose because I'm a, I'm a computer guy. I got my first job as a computer programmer doing COBOL for the Bank of New Jersey when I was a senior in high school. Oh, really? And I was also running the, the studio at St. Joe's University. And when I graduated, I had to choose one career or the other. And I went with computers. But it turned out it didn't matter because now computers have come back. You know, you, so much of the broadcast business is computerized. Well, look at after each show. What do you do? You come out, you hand us a USB drive, saying, "Here, here's the show." Yeah, you got your flash drive, right? I'm learning about computers too. You guys act like I'm an expert with computers. I'm really not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it comes across real well, man. Yeah, thank you. I try to know my stuff. I try to go with the flow. It certainly shows. I'm man. a river. I go with the flow. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say what? You're all wet. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. On the rocks. On the rocks. Yeah. Yep. So, but yeah. So right after 1360, I got really interested in radio. So after I got interested in radio, I went to CSB, Connecticut School Broadcast. Oh, you actually went to school for that? Yeah. So then after I graduated, met some of my workers who I work with now. And then right after I graduated, left 13, yeah, I left that station and started working as an intern for uh, FM stations. And then I met Tim Halloran, who was the operations manager at the time, and he, uh, he hired me. All right. Tim's a nice guy. He just passed away a couple weeks ago, too. Yes, he did. Yeah, he got arrested. 
God rest his soul. Yeah. And you're filling his shoes right now, too. We all are. A bunch of us. Not just me, but, like, everyone's, like, stepping in, you know, putting their shoes, like, trying to fill in that huge shoe. I know. Tim so, is a real nice guy, man. Yeah. It's taken, like, two or three of us to, like, run the job. Yep. It shows so. the quality of the people they got here at DB. Yeah. We're, we're trying. Yep. You know? So, doing that, doing this. But you do have Ryan here, though. Yeah, yeah. He, he's been helping, too. Uh, he can't hear us, can he? No. Nah. Oh, we can talk about him then. Oh, R- yeah. Ryan's the other guy behind the glass. He's, yeah. si- he's sitting behind Brett there. <laughs> What's he doing? He's on, he's on his phone. Yeah, I don't know what he's up to. He's making sure 610's on the air. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that's right. You got a bunch of bunch of things going on here. Two couple stations going on? Yeah, a couple on? stations. Beasley, you know, running both stations. Man, I'm giving out Who? a bunch of station shout-outs. What, what's, uh, what's Beasley? Beasley's a company we work for. Oh, what other stations they got? They got MGK, MMR. Oh, man. That's big. Hold my calls, please. Oh, uh, my bad. That's for my alarm to make sure that we're uh, not dead on the air. <laughs> <laughs> we better not be. Oh, no, no, no. Of course not. See, that's how many things I got going yeah, on at once. still working back there. <laughs> I'm yeah. still working back there. I'm doing that and making sure that shows are starting on time. That's why. Uh-huh. So. Well, you know your stuff. Yeah. I like to make a timer on just in case. So there's there's a whole bunch of other stations, big ones, man. MGK's got to be MMR. They got to be the two biggest stations in the Delaware Valley. Yes, and the Fanatic. I forgot to mention the Fanatic. Fanatic's pretty big. Fanatic's a big deal. Philly Fanatic? Or That's how I always looked at it, too. I was like, oh, the Philly Fanatic. They're like, no, just the Fanatic. I'm just what, like. What is Fanatic? It's a sports station. It's huh. on FM. I'm not a sports I'm guy. not really. I only know football, so. I don't even know football. I know Put, that. You haven't watched TV since 1975? That's right. Oh, you're yeah, good, right. man. What date? Yeah. June 6th. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I remember the last commercial you watched was a Great Adventure. That's right. It's a Great Adventure <laughs> commercial. <laughs> oh, man. Waiting for the clown's hair to go up. And oh. it is on the web. If you search for Great Adventure 1975 commercial, you'll find it. And about 20 seconds and 15 seconds in when the clown's hair goes up, that was the moment that got me to stop watching TV. <laughs> He showed me the commercial. And here it is. I don't know how many years later is it. It's like 45 years later, 35 years mm-hmm. later. I really remember where we were at when he told me that. Yeah, I think it was probably 34th and Powelton. Yeah, probably. <laughs> we were driving when he told me. I was just like, what? You haven't watched TV since yeah. 1975? That's because you, sir, are a Toastmaster. And we go to Toastmasters meetings yes, right after do. the show. You got me in the, in the Toastmasting, which is, did I say it right? Toast, is that even a term, Toastmasting? We, we I s- love that, Toastmasting. <laughs> I'm Toastmasting. We, we say that. Well, we're all Toastmasters. Kate's been a Toastmaster forever. And same thing with Sue. How but look? he used it as a verb, Toastmasting. toastmasting. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, so we Toastmasters, Toastmasting. We Toastmast together. Uh-huh. I feel like it's like a mass. Hey, we went, you know, we've Toastmast. That's it, man. But I love it. I enjoy it. Ken introduced me to it, and it's get me better, you know, with public speaking. That's right. And you, you just put in your resume for to take over Tim's position. Yes. And you were telling me that the guy really said, "Whoa, yeah, they're Toastmasters." Toastmasters. He's like, "Oh, well, the term he went with is like, oh, he's like public speaking. That's really neat." I was like, "Yeah, you know." That's right. I, there you are behind the microphone. Yeah, here I am. Usually I'm the silent guy making sure you guys are on the air and you guys are doing just fine. Uh-huh. What other kind of shows are you sitting there doing? So I do gardening shows, shows about business in Philadelphia, shows about home improvement, shows about you know church. You can be Jewish music, Catholic, anything you know. The cooking shows. I used to love cooking shows. We don't have much cooking shows. So if you guys ever want to do a cooking show, like... Feel free to be here and do a cooking show. We'll do some cooking with marijuana, right? <laughs> kind of need a, <laughs> a cannabis kitchen, cooking. don't uh, you? 
Well, you wouldn't be able to sample anything because you're on the wrong side of that window. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, people used to come in with, like, their little stove and just start cooking. Yeah, I was right. like, oh, man, we need more of these. What? Or that they is a great idea. Cook. Yes, if anyone ever wants to do a cooking show, I miss them. Okay. We'll get you cooking. Are there, are there political shows? Yeah, there's a uh, Republican show, Democrat show, and a bipartisan show. Why not multipartisan? I never heard of that term, multi. Well, speaking as the a member of the third largest party in Pennsylvania and the nation, yeah. which outnumbers all the fourth parties put together, I mean, we, you should mention to the guy. You say, "Hey, listen, you know, we got you want an interesting show. You should bring in this guy, Ken." I should. I should bring that up to them. I hadn't thought of that until just now. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is a very good idea. What kind of show? What kind of show is this? Multipartisan. Non-multipartisan, I should call it. So he'll have, like, Republicans and Democrats come in and they just argue to see who's right and who's wrong. Oh, man, I'd be right at home. We could talk about that this. That sounds right up your alley. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like this. Sometimes they get really, like, like huge where I have to make sure my finger's on the dump button to make sure, like, no one's, like, cursing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's funny. Oh, you got to yeah. get Ken in the middle of that. No. Oh, yeah. I don't curse. Not much. Anymore. No, I mean I in mean, the middle like, of the brawl. Yeah, no, you mentioned it to the guy, a libertarian, man. especially speaking of libertarian. My question for you, I know you got questions for me, but I got questions for you. What is libertarian anyway? But do you know what? That's a really good question. But I'm looking at the timer that you you always so graciously provide for me. Yes. And it says it's time for us to stop and head out for a commercial break. Okay. So let me do my outro. My guest today is Brett Kronberger, radio producer for the Pennsylvania Project. I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk. You're listening to episode 48 of the Pennsylvania Project, and we'll be right back after Brett gives us this information. Do you like the Pennsylvania Project? You must. After all, you're listening to it right now. But would you like more? More of the rants, the guests, the fun? Well, you're in luck because by popular demand, we've added even more content. Things like keeping the mics live after the credits roll at the end of the show while we continue our on-air conversations. It's all 100% unscripted and often includes things we can't say on the air or shouldn't. Would you like access to each episode the day it's recorded? Live streams of every show as it happens? Behind the scenes interviews and bonus videos with our guests? All this and more is now available at thepennsylvaniaproject.com. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Sign up today and you also get a copy of Ken's novel, Atlas Snubbed, a parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. And you can even call in live and participate on the show. How's that for content? You can be the content. So if the idea of more Pennsylvania Project excites you, Head on over to thepennsylvaniaproject.com and click the more fun link at the top of the page. Solve the correct problem correctly and sign up today. Hey, Kate here, cohort on the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high paying job, at least for some people. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? competent leader communicates effectively? If not, and even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters like we have. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, of course it works. Look at me. 
I joined Toastmasters and now I'm on the radio. <laughs> so turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome. And be sure to mention my name, Kate Conti. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. And it all starts at Toastmasters.org. Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen with a V, W-E-R-L-E-Y dot com. Fly fishermen, new and old, understand the importance of affordable quality gear at Christopher Fay Fly Fishing. We have provided that for over a quarter century. Whether you fish dries, weds, or any combination, Christopher Fay Fly Fishing Com has an American-made leader for you. Pennsylvania Proud, our reputation rests solely on your complete satisfaction. Again, that's Christopher Fave, F-A-V-E, flyfishing.com. Hey, Ken Krawchuk back here again, and we're here with episode 48 of the Pennsylvania Project, and our guest for the day, Brett Kronberger, radio producer of the Pennsylvania Project. And I always like to remark about how a guest doesn't run out the door in the middle of the show during the break. And you don't have that luxury to run out the door. <laughs> He's trapped. <laughs> You're going to get fired if you head out the door. Yeah, of course. Someone's got to press these buttons and make sure you guys are on. That's right. Keep us in line. And, you know, it's funny because before the break, you asked a simple question. What's a, what's a libertarian? Yeah, what is a libertarian? And, you know, it's funny because this, this goes all the way back to the days when I was running the studio. I used to record stuff for people who put on the air. They'd go away with these high-quality full-track tapes and stuff like that. And they'd ask me, they'd say, how is that? Is that real good? I, you know, was it interesting? Did I come across well? And I stopped and I said, you know, to be honest, I wasn't listening. He said, what do you mean you weren't listening? You recorded the whole thing. But I was so busy with doing what I had to do, making sure everything was okay and everything like that, that I never really took the time to pay attention to the guy. Now, I say all that because I must have said a million times over the last 48 episodes, the definition of a libertarian. And it's, it's easy, easy to remember. And I always challenge Democrats, Republicans, really any party, to give me one sentence that really defines what a, what a Republican is, what a Democrat is, and what one sentence would join Donald Trump and R Ron Paul? <laughs> I can't think of one. Same with the Democrats. What would join Hillary Clinton with Bernie Sanders? I can't think of one. But every libertarian, we all sum it up with just one simple sentence. You have the right to live your life your way without interference, provided only that you respect the rights and property of others. So you guys are like divided. You're not really, you know— Red or blue, Republican, Democrat, you're just... We're gold. You're gold. Gold is our color. Yeah? Yeah, because we certainly believe in real money, not this paper currency that 
the Federal Reserve prints up for us. It's funny because when I first met you, and I, all I heard was libertarian, libertarian. I was like, what is a libertarian? Your life, your way, as long as you respect yeah. others. It's the golden rule on a political level. I like it. Yeah. And if you come up with a definition of a Republican, you're going to find Republicans going to say, that's not me. I'm not a Trump guy. That's not yeah. me. I'm not a Rand Paul, Ron Paul guy. But if you can go up to any libertarian and say, I know what you believe in. Your life, your way, as long as you respect others. They'll smile and say, yep. There you go. I like that. We are the party of principle. That's cool. Very, very unusual. And me, I've run for a high office. I run for governor of Pennsylvania. And if I'm on stage in a live debate situation and somebody hits me with something brand new, like Kate did earlier <laughs> with this war on, insane war on drugs, I just go back. If I know nothing about it, I'll go back to my touchstone and say, well, are people respecting the rights and property of others? Are they living their own life their own way according to their own customs? Yeah, it's okay. What's government doing in there anyway? Like gay marriage. You know, why, who's government to get in the way of true love? Exactly. I love being a libertarian. It's easy. It's friendly. And less offensive. And not offensive at all. <laughs> unless, of course, you don't like gay marriage. Unless you don't like people who drink alcohol. Or you don't like gambling that is not state-sponsored. Or you did you ever meet a libertarian that was like that? Or do you, like, I feel like libertarians, like you said, are just easygoing. No. And, you know, we, we argue some of the real edge cases. Like, for example, we believe in property rights. But yes. suppose you're on the 40th floor of a high rise yes. and you slip on your balcony and you fall over the edge. And you grab onto the railing on the 39th floor. And the guy is there on the 39th floor. He says, Get off my property. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's his property, respecting the rights and property of others. But you fell, though, right? Yeah. It was an accident. Yeah, that's right. But And the idea is that you want to respect his rights and property, too. He has a right to his own life. So uh, yeah. some things are more important. So we argue about these edge cases. Another one, uh, there's, I've heard some of these. These get real weird. Like suppose parents have put a baby in the window with a sign saying, watch the baby starve. When, if ever, do you have a right to violate their property rights, smash the window, and go rescue the baby? Mm, that is a good question. Yeah, that, but, but see, we, we're libertarians. We argue these edge cases. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Which is a good thing to mention because episode 49, the next episode, is going to be done live from the Pennsylvania Libertarian Party State Convention. So it's going to be a, a good one, episode 49. This is 48, so tune in on 49. We're going to be doing – we're going to be electing party officers. We're going to be arguing bylaw changes. It sounds dry, but boy, it gets pretty rowdy. And I'm curious to see what's going to happen with our, our chairman because he's been he's been doing some interesting things that have been annoying some people lately. I'm not sure he's going to get reelected. Is that good? Or does that mean do you want him like personally? I I am the chair of the judicial committee of our state party. Yes. So as such, I really am not entitled to an opinion that may come before me. Like any judge, I have to have to maintain an, an innocence. But if the party bylaws say you cannot do x and the person does x i mean you just look at the facts yourself so it's, it's going to be going to be a fun show and you're not going to be there no i guess you're not nah if it's saturday morning i won't be there yeah that's right you're busy playing our show for us yes making sure it's on the air uh-huh making sure you guys are on the dot on the time now if i show up on this show what's what's that show called this multi-partisan non-multi-partisan show <laughs> Tone and Tenor. Say again, please. Tone and Tenor. Tone and Tenor. Fridays at 
two. And I'll be the base. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Get down to bases, basics. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to do that. So I heard you got some questions. We got questions for each other. Unless am I jumping ahead? Am I jumping ahead? Oh, man. No, we jump all over the place. We, we're down to the last five minutes anyway. Perfect. Yeah. No, I, you can. I, I was going to ask you about Toastmasters. What do you like about Toastmasters? I always ask the Toastmasters when they come on the show, what do they like best about being a Toastmaster? It's non-judgmental. Everyone just seems like equal. Like no one's trying to act better than each other. Everyone just seems like they're learning. And, you know, you're there for the same reasons as everyone else. You're just shy. You want to be outgoing. Uh-huh. Like, people say I'm outgoing, but I don't think I'm outgoing. There is an extent of outgoingness for me. Like, I can only hold a conversation with someone for maybe a minute or two. Like, I'll be like, oh, hey, what's up? That type of outgoing, but there's only – my battery is short. Uh-huh. I see so, like, Ryan behind you. He's nodding his head. So there's, like, the battery is short, so I can only talk your ear off for, like, a minute, and then I'm like, ah, oh, I'm out of here. You know, that was me. You know, my wife does this thing called dressing your truth, and there are – it's Briggs Myers kind of, but there's only four types, and you're like me, the type two. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's only a certain stay, extent. Stay to yourself, and you know, talk when you have to, which is real funny because I'm a I'm a very reserved guy, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't uh, believe it. I know nobody <laughs> believes it. That's why my wife it. says, "No, oh, that's just the way I am." I like to. No, I never had a dull moment with you. <laughs> Cheer up, we'll we'll get one. <laughs> there's there's got to be some. Hey, you had all these questions about. I already got my questions answered. I want to find out how you got behind that glass. So how I got behind that glass you, was. Yeah, you, you already answered that question. Yeah, I already answered that you question. You already got to that one. Yeah. I'm looking down my list of other things. Uh, I'm looking. What was? Your, well, you're not really paying too close attention to what goes on at the Pennsylvania Project. Do you remember? No. Do you remember any show that stood out? Something you really liked? Gun control. Marijuana, like those. Uh-huh. I don't remember the n- number of the episodes. Like, What's the matter with you? I know you usually remember them, like oh, episode well, ten. Blah, blah blah blah. I have a cheat sheet right here. At my oh, is elbow. that why? Oh, yeah. What I'm was a- episode ten? What was episode ten? Well, they're not listed. Oh my bad. I'm see. I'm already. They're they're listed by. Here we go. Davy Crockett was on episode ten. Yeah. And we were talking about Davy Crockett. Hang on, I'm I'm running down the list. Here we go. Opioid crisis was on. That's what it was. That's yeah. right. Drug, drug use. Ep- episode 10. Yeah. I, I just remember we talk about episode 10 sometimes. Well, I always forget what episode 10 was. Yep. Episode 10 is very important. We also actually have a show about called Clean and Silver. They're actually right after Turn and Tenor. It's about opioid. Like, I can't even say the right the word right. But <laughs> what are you stay on drugs? Clean, no. <laughs> so, like, how to, like, stay clean and what's going on in the environment. So, like, mm-hmm. stuff. Here's episode 10 had free housing. We're talking about somebody yes. somebody wanted free housing and it's like well there's yeah. nothing free you got to pay for something of course yeah now were you here when we had the firearms manufacturer here Constantine yes Dayeski? that actually was one of my favorite episodes yeah he brought a fully automatic AR-15 that folds up that's less than a foot long I would have loved to have seen that oh, oh I loved it <laughs> he like broke it down like it was Legos yeah I gotta hold it you know we had to get him back too because we never we never really finished the we didn't really finish that episode at all. And I'm trying to see, going down my list of things here to see which one that he was on. Uh, I'm guessing it was uh, 24, episode 24. Yeah, it was a little bit ago. It was yeah. a little bit ago. Yeah, well, since we're on 48 now, that's half half ago. Almost half a year ago, I yeah. think. Yeah, great guy. Not a half a year, because episodes aren't necessarily once a week. That's true. You yeah. may broadcast them once a week. Yeah, that's what I mean. 
You're putting your, your blinders on. <laughs> Do you know we're down to the last couple of minutes already? This has gone faster than I Dan, thought. I, yeah, so, same. What, what have we missed that you wanted to cover? So, gun control. Like, what I think about gun control. What do you think about gun control? Well, like that's, hitting, that stuff. that's hitting your target, gun yeah. control. Oh, I see what you did there with a pun. <laughs> <laughs> I go to my, my Bible here. Yes. The Pennsylvania Constitution. I don't even have to open it up. Article 1, Section 21. The right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of mm-hmm. themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Okay. I have no question what that means. And some people say, oh, you can't say that. These are different times. Yeah, but the, Obama, President Obama, let me be polite, commissioned the CDC, Center for Disease Control, to look into gun violence after one of the one of the shoot-ups. And the gun people went nuts, saying, no, you can't do that. It's not a disease, anything like that. And he said, we're, we're going to do it anyway. That's my Obama impersonation. Pretty bad. Anyhow. Uh, CDC came back and they found some surprising things, at least surprising to liberals, is that there's no evidence that any of these feel-good gun legislations actually do anything to stop violent crimes. The gun buyback programs, they're ineffective. But the big thing they found out is that guns are used defensively much, much more often than they're used offensively. In other words, guns save lives. Another one, John Lott, University of Chicago researcher, He did a county-level nationwide study, and he found something that we've known since the 70s. If a woman resists an attacker, she's twice as likely to be seriously injured. But if she resists the handgun, she's half as likely to be seriously injured. And from that, I conclude that handguns are a girl's best friend. And pepper spray. Pepper spray is good, too. That's what my sister uses. And brass knucks. That's shaped like a kitty cat. (laughs) I love that. Hello. I want one. Hello, kitty. (laughs) Pow. Yup. All right, Brett, we're, we're out of time. Is there anything you want to get in there? Any website you're familiar with, Puppy Mills that you want to support or oppose? Or? Support the Pennsylvania Project. You the man. Sorry, you should get <laughs> like a job. Ken Kuchuk. Craw. Craw Chuck, Chuck. sorry. Ken Kru- <laughs> Craw Chuck. Uh, you don't listen to it enough. You've only been here, what, for most of them. I think it's only once or twice I only missed like two or three episodes. Yeah, Robert did one and... Vito did one and so did Dan. Oh, Dan did two Dan. and Robert did the rest. Yeah. The uh, one. Yeah, Dan's a real friendly guy too. Yeah, they're both very good people. Yeah, of course, everybody here is good. Even Ryan, you can tell him I said that. He's high. <laughs> <laughs> I like his shirt. So that's gonna have to wrap it up for the then portion of the show. My thanks to the guest today, Brett Kronberger, the radio producer for the Pennsylvania Project. Yeah, thanks, Brett. You the man. Thank we, you. Yeah, get your applause up there. Push the button. Uh, it takes a little bit. Oh, it takes me a couple he's not minutes. that good. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'm going to be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw, the Patriot Movement. The following is a commercial announcement. Hey, Sue, how's it going? Bad, Ken. Really bad. Why? What's the matter? Our friends at the Infernal Revenue Service paid me a personal visit the other day. The Infernal Revenue Service? Yep. Call them for what they are. They sent these two big brutes to the house and scared us all half to death. I bet. What do they want? Money. Lots of it, too. Remember that part-time gig I took on last summer? Yep, I remember. You were raking in some big bucks. Yeah, and all those big bucks went straight into my personal bank account. Turns out the IRS doesn't like that, and I didn't file any of the right forms or pay nearly enough taxes. So they want it all now, right now, plus penalties and interest. Ouch. Sounds like you should have called Amendment 16. Hey, it's that damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. 
They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them, and when your client pays them, they pay you, minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. And they take care of all the taxes? All the forms? Yep. And they can pass along certain tax breaks, too. Man, I wish I knew about Amendment 16 sooner. Where can I find them? On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's amendment, S-I-X-T-E-E-N.com. One call does it all. You've been a registered libertarian for years, voted for libertarians even longer, and lived by libertarian principles all your life. Now it's time to take the next step and become a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of the march toward liberty in Pennsylvania. Take an active role in making it happen. Maybe even consider running for a local political office yourself. It all starts with becoming a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy, fast, and only $20 a year. So visit LPPA.org to sign up today. That's LPPA.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting. Thank you, Sue. Hey, Ken Krawchalk here again, and welcome to the me portion of episode 48 of The Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant about something that really sticks in my craw. Today, it's the so-called patriot movement. Embrace yourself, because I bet I'm going to annoy a lot of these so-called patriots. And no, I'm not talking about that historical figure wearing a three-cornered hat, carrying a musket, whistling Yankee Doodle went to town. I'm talking about these modern-day quote-unquote patriots and the somewhat amorphous patriot movement. For those who aren't aware, loosely defined, these modern-day patriots are people who subscribe to one or more of a variety of legal theories, some of which have actual basis in true legal theories, true law, but some of which you might think they border on conspiracy theories. Patriots. Ordinarily, it's none of my business. I don't care if they believe some cockamamie idea. But, you know, I've just seen too many good libertarians go down the legal tubes pursuing some of these ideas. So my goal here today is to touch briefly on what I consider to be a few of the worst of these patriot movement ideas. And hopefully I can arm you against getting sucked into one of them. Because as I said at the very top of the show, hopefully without ruining your life, And you know, when I started putting this together, I realized very quickly there are just too many of them to list. So this is going to be part one of a two-part rant. Oh, I can't get it in, but we'll see. Only reason I'm doing this, it all started way back in episode 41 with an observation by Johnny Jones. If If you were around then, you may recall we had a Facebook question. What bothers you about Pennsylvania? And it took us like four episodes to get through all those questions off of Facebook. Well, what bothered Johnny Jones about Pennsylvania? He said, quote, the misapplication of the income tax and property tax. It doesn't apply to the average living, breathing man or woman, unquote. Now, I have heard that claim from a lot of libertarians. Oh, the income tax? Nah, you're not responsible. You're not liable. Not no. Art, one of our cohorts. Not filing, not liable, not paying, he likes to say. 
Well, Johnny brought the same thing up, our buddy Johnny Jones in episode 41. That's a good point, Johnny. You may be right, except for one very minor point. You're wrong. <laughs> You're dead wrong. If you try to skip paying your income tax, it's a virtual certainty that sooner or later the Pennsylvania Department of Revenue or that infernal revenue service will send in men with guns and simply take from you whatever it is they want and then toss your sorry butt in jail. doesn't matter what convoluted path you follow, what legal theory you have, because that's where it always ends up. I have seen it far too many times, which is why I'm talking about it today as a public service. It's just, I can't believe it happens all the time and people keep buying into it by the way just as a quick aside in my experience pennsylvania is much worse than the irs they're much less communicative overall they're a lot more monolithic they don't have the procedures in place that the irs has but but i digress in home state Eh. anyway getting back on point why would johnny jones say the income and property taxes don't apply to the average person He didn't elaborate, but there are several possibilities that I have personally seen over the years. One of them is called Section 861 Arguments. I learned about this one from the master 861 expert himself, the internationally known Larkin Rose. And incidentally, he used to live in my neighborhood, before they seized his house, that is. Paraphrasing now, the idea is... If you made a flowchart of Section 821 of the Internal Revenue Code, it tells you who is liable to pay the federal income tax and who isn't. And if you looked at an accurate description of that flowchart and follow the lines, you'll find that Larkin is 100% correct. That's exactly what Section 861 says. The average Johnny, or Larkin, is not liable. Unfortunately, though, the courts have consistently disagreed with the flow of that flowchart despite its accuracy and conformity to the law. If you rely on it, you're throwing yourself under a legal steamroller because that's what happened to poor Larkin. Ended up in jail, ruined his life, in my opinion, even if he is now internationally known for it. Uh, Wesley Snipes got caught on the same thing that Larkin got caught on. But I digress. Then there's also the Section 7701 argument. It's part of the Internal Revenue Code. Although it says that every resident of the state has to pay the income tax, The way they define state is, quote, state includes the District of Columbia when such construction is necessary to carry out the provisions of this title, unquote. Well, if you don't live in D.C., you don't live in a state because the only thing that defines as a state is District of Columbia. So since we're in Pennsylvania, the tax doesn't apply to you, does it? Well, it's exactly what the law says, like 861. But unfortunately, the courts have consistently disagreed with that application of the definition. You rely on it, and you're throwing yourself under the legal steamroller. There are just so many others. I, I don't have time for them all. A straw man theory, I'm going to have to skip over that one. All these n- novel legal interpretations, like they say you don't need a driver's license. I've seen, I can't tell you how many times I've seen good people go down following one or another. I visited them in prison or during their house arrest. I've seen their houses taken from them, their cars, their life savings. I've seen their spouses abandon them, and justifiably so, all because they thought they found a silver bullet which can bring the man to his knees. Maybe there is one, but how can you be sure? You know, we're all about solutions here at the Pennsylvania Project. I have a solution for this. Don't try it. Good grief. If you're thinking about it, just ask yourself one quick question. Is it really worth all the trouble? 
Is it worth a lifetime of having some sort of Damocles hanging over your head, over your family's head, over your retirement's head for the rest of your life? And then finding out too late how you missed adding one critical Oxford comma to your living trust document, and suddenly you find yourself under that legal steamroller, broke, divorced, homeless, imprisoned. Let me repeat, don't try it. It may be a correct solution, but start asking yourself, what problem are you solving? That's going to have to be enough for now. Like I said, I can see there's going to be a part two for this. And I expect to see some hate mail over this rant. People are going to say, you're part of the evil system because you're discouraging people from challenging it. Well, let me say now for the record, I am not an agent of evil. I'm just this guy, you know? I just I'm tired of seeing good people get run over by a steamroller, especially when they are the ones who are personally driving it. More in episode 49. And on that ominous note, that's going to have to wrap it up for episode 48 of the Pennsylvania Project. What do you think about the Patriot Movement? Or about our radio man, Brett Kronberger, playing music for us? Are you better off than you were three and a half years ago? We'll get to that next week, too. Or anything Pennsylvania-related. If you have something to say, we'd love to hear from you. Contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com and sign our petition. Today's episode, courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio. Broadcasting in Philadelphia at 860 AM every Saturday at 10 AM and in Kutztown on KUR Radio at 1670 AM every Monday at 7 AM. And then every episode is also released as a podcast every Tuesday at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Our webmaster is Stephen Worley, marketing guru Connor Dragotis, featured Toastmaster narrator Susan Hawkins, featured Toastmaster cohort, distinguished Toastmaster Kate Conti. Keyboard wizard Joe the Pag, radio producer Brett Kronberger, yay Brett, executive producer Mark Bazzacco, and me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us, and remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem.